Construct with Clark and Alyssa. So I have some uh, good news and some bad news, Alyssa. Yes. Which do you want to start with first? Lead with the bad, end with the good. Okay. Bad news. Uh, the basket with all of our questions in it, <laughs> it's gone. It's not news. I noticed it first, I think. <laughs> the listeners don't know any of this. This is the illusion <laughs> of, of me breaking something to you that you already know. So we, we made, we thoughtfully made 12 questions mm-hmm. of books that shaped our lives and Clark lost the last four. <laughs> the last four were lost. Who knows what happened? Who knows whose fault it is? It could be anyone's fault. I mean, you possibly did move. I did move somewhere in there, and I, I don't know if the I questions thought, came with us or not. I thought we did one one of those episodes in this house, but probably not. But I moved here in April. So maybe. March. Hmm. I don't remember when we started prisoner of azkaban yeah, but no, anyway anyway so that's we the bad have news recovered said questions yes okay so so the bad news is we lost the basket so our super fun way of picking questions is gone you ready for the good news tell me the good news clark okay so we still have we still we know what those questions were okay part one of the good news part two i have a d4 boom yeah for those at home that can't see what's happening, I'm holding up a small pyramid-shaped dice known as a D4, a four-sided dice. So we have four questions remaining and a four-sided dice, and each question has a number. So we're going to We're going to still randomize. It's going to be we're good. We're going to randomize. That's the good news. We still have the gift of randomness. I'm glad for that because I was trying to figure out how to pair these two, like these four questions into, into episodes, and yeah. it, it was... Yeah, I, I I prefer the randomization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So luckily I have a four-sided die, so we don't have to track down another basket, even though this house has more baskets than it should. Like, more I think I see, wicker in yeah. one house than, than the 18th century. <laughs> Very flammable house. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, so. 19th century? Uh, 1800s, I feel like, was wicker. Uh, the height of wicker. The height of wicker. <laughs> It's the John Wick Which finale. That's that's my my terrible uh, uh, Jane Austen knockoff. The height of Wicker. <laughs> it could also be like the prequel to the Wicker Man, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, should we tell them all four questions, or should we just uh, let them know? No, let's do a basket style. They find out when we. Yeah. When we... Let's do that. Yeah. Okay. And, so. And we're gonna do two and two, right? Two episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in this episode, we will be talking about. Two questions that are related to us and books and reading. We should have said that right from the top. Books that shaped our lives. Yeah, books that shaped our lives in various ways. So, Alyssa, would you do me the honor of rolling first? Watch, I'm going to throw it on the floor. It's going to be really great. Uno. Okay. So the first question we will be discussing is books that comforted you. Books Mm. that comforted you. Okay. I, I checked with Clark. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think I've told this story, listeners, but if I have, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Because one very clear story comes to mind, and I, I have talked about it a lot, and it's The I Hobbit. Don't, I don't think it's made it on air, because you talked... Oh, The Hobbit. It's The Hobbit. Okay. You talked about Lord of the Rings in one of the other bonus episodes. Mm-hmm. 
been hot. The, Lord of the Rings has really shaped my life. I could <laughs> I could talk about it another time tonight as well, but I'm going to try not to. Okay. But so how did The Hobbit comfort you, Alyssa? Okay. So, 5th grade. I'm I'm probably I'm starting to feel too old to have nightmares. Like like they shouldn't freak me out. Mhm. Um but I get one and it's still early in the night. It's like my dad is still up and he's downstairs and he's watching TV or something. And it's it's probably about like 11 o'clock at night. I like jolt awake and I just had an awful nightmare. I cannot tell you what said nightmare was about, but it freaked me out. And my dad, who had been slowly, like continuously trying to get me to read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings because he loves it. And I being a 12-year-old, was not receiving it. My dad's suggesting a thing to me, and it's not cool, which is what 12-year-old Alyssa would have been like, and just rejected it outright many, many, many times. And I go downstairs sort of sheepishly, but freaked out because I had a nightmare, and I'm like sort of battling this, like, I should be too old for this. But also, I don't, I can't sleep. Like, I am not in a good place right now to sleep. And I go down and I talk to my dad. My mom's already asleep. And he sort of like gets this little twinkle in his eye. And he gets up from his his recliner. And we go over and sit on the floor by the bookshelf, which we have a pool table on our downstairs. So like between the pool table and the bookshelf on the floor, my dad like lays down on his side and he pulls out his copy of The Hobbit. And he just reads me the first chapter. Oh, and like he, I, I remember him reading that you know the Hobbit opens with the three rings for elven kings under the sky, four for the dwarf lords, and there are halls of stone and, and all that. Um, and he just like his face just like rested in this smile, huh. and just like he was reading something so comforting to him, and that instantly put me at ease. And I. I read a lot as a kid. Uh, my mom and I read together a lot, but I can't really remember a lot of times that my dad and I read together. Hmm. But this is the most salient moment in my memory that a parent read to me huh. was my dad <laughs> distracting me from this nightmare with the Hobbit. And I hmm. went to bed and I, and I was like, sort of in, you know, wrapped up in this unexpected party and, and Gandalf and all the dwarves, they're all happy and Bilbo's not to be bothered with it and and all of that and I, I go to bed and it's just sort of this playful story that's it's very dark in a lot of ways but there was something about how he told it to me that night that made hmm. it not scary and then I proceeded to read the whole story and every morning that my dad would take me to school we would talk about how far I was in the book and it <laughs> nice. became this connector, which we are not great at talking with each other. It's, it's a little awkward a yeah, lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and to have that as a commonality for us to both joyfully talk about was, was really new for us too. Hmm. So it's just, I look back on it and it's this, I, I barely even like, I know the Hobbit, but I don't really remember all the Hobbit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. It, it's it's very much a, a story that lives in my past, but 
it's it, it fills me with such warmth that it, it it was a turning point for a relationship in my life and it was a turning point for how I was reading and it was a turning point in that one night from restlessness to peace hmm. so cool I don't think yeah I don't think I've told that story on this podcast That's now that right. I've done it I'm like I think I would have remembered that yeah I think <laughs> but, I definitely would have as well yeah so I that, like it so you read uh all all four movies of the hobbit all, all three four. there were three movies all three movies of the mm-hmm. hobbit you read all three yeah there should have been two <laughs> okay that's that's controversial opinion not controversial not at all. controversial <laughs> everybody's like definitely uh, needed more than one because there's so much that happens yeah but three not, was too many yeah. um wow. so yeah that was a book that comforted me what's the book that comforted you clark <laughs> let me look up the official title real quick okay so um <clears throat> So I guess books never really, I didn't really use them for comfort in the same way. Like books have always been a lot more entertainment, I guess. And like, yeah, they are comforting, but I don't think I have, um, okay, let me phrase it this way. I don't have a specific memory of being comforted by a novel, but I do have memories of being comforted by a comic book. So can I throw that out there? Sure. Why not? I think we talked. About I think this you've talked first. about comics a lot. I think so. I have. I think I've mentioned like three we've, different. We've, we've ast- there's precedent here. <laughs> there are words, okay, and I read those <laughs> words, and I can't help that I'm a visual person. So, uh, the series that that comforts me is um, it's a comic series called Concrete, which is a comic book by uh, Paul Chadwick that was put out on Dark Horse Publishing. You know, good publisher. Yeah, those guys. Yeah, they have their, they have their stuff together. Um, but it is a comic about I don't know. He's kind of an alien or a person, but he's a big guy made of concrete. <laughs> like checks out. Big and strong and made of concrete. And I forget. It's been a while. <laughs> honestly, I forget if this happened to a person or if he was an alien. I honestly forget. Um, I guess I could read this Wikipedia page that's pulled up, but no, that's cheating. Uh, no, tell me about how it comforted you. So how it comforted me is uh, it actually helped me when I was like 20, 21. Um, and I was in Missoula at the time. I was dealing with a then like undiagnosed depression that I thought was just me being a little bit of an airhead and me being a little bit down in the dump sometimes but looking back it's like clearly my head was in, in a like being surrounded by a lot of dark clouds that I couldn't see through and it took a lot of my time and attention and energy and um one thing I would do back then was uh I would go to the grocery store and just wander <laughs> like and I still do this sometimes but like when I was just out of it and I couldn't figure out what to do and I definitely couldn't get homework done but I couldn't really eh, whatever I'd wander around grocery stores except the thing is I would always end up buying like food <laughs> and that kind of you know then I would eat the food and that would just eat kind your of feelings yeah and that would kind of feed into this whole cycle but I needed some place to wander around um and just just be moving and be looking at stuff but have no obligation to like do anything like buy anything and that's when i discovered the public library Mm. in missoula and it turns out you can go to the library and wander around for like an hour two hours nobody's gonna say anything like they don't care you're there as long as you like occasionally 
look at something specific or pull out a book, they're like, well, he's looking at books. He likes books. That's why he's in a library, right? <laughs> like nobody, nobody questions why you're wandering around a library. It's beautiful. I now really want to test how long I can go in a library without looking <laughs> specifically at a book before someone talks to me. One, uh, it would be a yeah. test of my control because I think that would be really hard for me not to pull a book out. Yeah, but two, yeah. how long? I think you can go a long time, actually. <laughs> I think so. I really do. Because like, as, as long as you kind of look like you know what you're doing you know how to use a library like if you know they don't really need to ask you like can I help you find something because they're like no this guy knows that there's computers right there and there's a card yet like he doesn't need me he's just wandering um so I discovered the public library and it gave me a place where I could just wander and be left alone and not have to buy and then eat food um and I got a lot of free cds too a lot of jazz stuff a lot of rap stuff for free I'll say I paid for it with my tax dollars. How's that? Um, anyway, but while I was there, I did, I, I went through quite a few comic book, um, what is it called? Anthologies where mm-hmm. the, you group them all together. And Concrete is one that I grabbed. Um, and I kind of look at the front cover and I see this endomorphic creature made of stone with squinty eyes and a bald head. <laughs> and I'm like, Huh. And then I opened it up and, you know, like I said, it was a, it was a weird time. The last, the last 10 years has been a weird time, but that was definitely when I was the least aware of what was blindingly obvious now. But, um, I started reading through and it's someone who was lost and confused and had no feeling like no nerve endings or anything like that. So he couldn't really be hurt, like no sexual organs. So that wasn't a thing. And like, there's just all these really similarities that I found between myself and this concrete guy, except he was surrounded by interesting stuff and his life kept happening around him. And he had to deal with like how to live in a world of um, sensation when you don't have receptors for that. Um, and it was really interesting. And, and the problems that arised were like, you know, um, the typical superhero stuff. There's a flood. He goes and he rescues people. But then there was also stuff like he just randomly grew antlers <laughs> and like just like kind of had to deal with these antlers that wouldn't stop growing for no reason. It was never explained. He's just like for a single for like a full book. He just had these antlers that filled up a room and he had to keep like trying to hide everything from people. And it was like this whole thing of very unconventional superhero comic book things like he wasn't really a hero in the sense that he wasn't defeating a greater bad or anything like that he was just like trying to live his life as somebody who was very not human um and i think reading that just kind of like i don't know it made me feel a lot less alone i guess like not that i necessarily related to concrete the character himself but the fact that a writer would write about that in that way made me connect a lot more to like the writer and be like, Oh, whoever wrote this, he gets it. Like he gets it. And he expressed it in this way to show other people like me, Hey, I get it. And like, I just picked up on that so loud and clear and like, yeah, the character of concrete himself, he was interesting, whatever. But like just the fact that somebody else was able to put it in such like a clear way, I don't know, is really comforting. And it was in a time like, I don't know. The other, the only other thing that comforted me was music. 
Like it was music and comic books. So I would like go to the library, get a jazz CD, put it on and read these comics. And like, those were some of the few times where I actually like felt okay. So yeah, concrete. Um, Check it out. If you like weird superhero books where it's not really a superhero, it's just a guy made of stone. It's kind of weird or concrete, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, does that count? <laughs> it totally does. It's not a happy story. <laughs> but I mean, it. I found a method that worked, you know, and it was uh, healthier than it could have been. And uh, I, yeah. think, I think there's real comfort in reading a story that shows you you're not alone. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and sometimes you need to be shown you're not alone in this really harsh world. Yeah. And, and that's rarely a happy story but (laughs) what it does is it creates a camaraderie yeah especially with the whole idea of like you know and and dan would give me crap and he still does about like you know me being a bit unfeeling and like that was a lot more true back then but it was more like other people would be so excited or other people would just be feeling all these things and i just wasn't my emotional range was so narrow and so not you know that I would like watch all these people having a good time and smiling and laughing. And I'm like, if I laughed right now, it would be like the fakest thing ever. <laughs> like, I don't know. So it was cool to see somebody else dealing with the idea of like, all these people are feeling all these things and I just can't, I just can't. And it's like, yeah, man, I get you. So yeah, hmm. that's that. Uh, good stuff. That's great. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued now. I- yeah. I need I need to experience a good graphic novel or something soon because yeah. it's been a while. Public but. library. Uh, I don't know about the Billings one, but I'm assuming they've if got, anything, you could do the borrowing program. They've got some good stuff. I've I've mm. read a couple of graphic novels that I've wanted to read because I found them at the library. So nice, that was good, cool. But so <sighs> so question number two. Yeah, mm. I think you should roll the die. All right. On the old D four, three, toi, <laughs> uh huh, toi, and three is let's see, books you strongly associate with a place or time, time or place, place or time is how you phrased it. Mm. I have so many answers for this. I need to <laughs> pick one. That's okay. I'm just going to play a little bit of time and place music. <laughs> and when we come back, Alyssa will have an awesome answer. Are you asking me? Because I answered the first one first. Oh, you're right. When you, we get do back. Do you have one? <laughs> I will in just a second after I look at my notes. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. That's some good music. That's some good jams there. That's some good vibes. <laughs> oh, you're so full of it. <laughs> uh, okay, Clark. We're not what? just sitting in the same studio several seconds later. Uh, <clears throat> what? Um, 
Tell me about a book that you strongly associate with a time or place. I would like to talk about the book Feed by... M.T. Anderson. M.T. Anderson. I've never read it, actually, but I want to. How do you know of it? Tell this? me about it. Well, I've seen it a lot of times at the oh. library and considered checking it out many times. And then I went to uh, um, NerdCon Stories last year. And okay. M.T. Anderson was one of the panelists there. Oh, so. boy. Do you want me to not to spoil it then? Eh, it's fine. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I think I think you can read this on the back of the book. Okay. So Feed is, um, it's like a young adult sci-fi dystopian, mm-hmm. or not necessarily dystopian, but kind of dystopian universe type book. Um, a lot of people <laughs> would put it in like the the starter pack for like sci-fi wannabes. Like it's it's kind of... I've seen it be laughed at quite a bit in like the sci-fi community of like, oh, people read this and they think they're in sci-fi, but this is like such a it's sci-fi tiny, light. yeah, yeah, exactly. But at the time, um, which was sixth grade, that's the time. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of uh, revolutionary to me, and <clears throat> I had read maybe it was earlier. It, okay, late grade school, <laughs> fourth through sixth, somewhere in there. Um, which all kind of blurs together, to be honest. Uh, so that's the time is like Broadwater Elementary School, um, those three grades. And um, I was reading a little bit of Orson Scott Card then, but that was so like sci-fi universe far away, kind of hard to identify. It was so futuristic that it's like, we're never going to get there. Like these people are traveling faster than the speed of light and doing all this stuff. And there's aliens. It was really like so sci-fi that I couldn't put myself in that place. Um, but feed, it was like two young teenagers uh, in this universe in, in earth, like 20 years from now, maybe. And the whole thing is like, they had chips in their head that let them plug into like this whole other world of entertainment and stuff like that. Like in the same way that having a smartphone opens you up to all sorts of different conversations and gifts and emojis and videos and everything. The chips did that for them. Um, and which is super feasible, right? Like it, it, you look at wearables and you look at, I, I mean, even when I was a kid, I was super into technology and I'm like, it's inevitable that it's going into us like inevitable because you know what comes after apple watch and everything else like why not just get it in you um not that i'm excited for that i just (laughs) in fact i really am not looking forward to that and it's already happening i mean Mm -hmm. there's already people doing stuff like this you know um ir chips not ir um what is it close range like when you're like apple pay or something like that where you hold your phone up to the register Mm -hmm. And it like scans it. I've heard of um, people getting a chip in their finger mm-hmm. that is just like a key code access card for yeah. work. Yeah, totally. So you just wave your hand and you're you get access to work. Yeah. Which they promise they're not going to check to see who's coming to work, how often, and when, and where they are, and track them. <laughs> but I mean, all the data is there. Uh, and as you know, our data systems in this world are very secure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just ask Equifax. Ain't nobody going to mess with that. Yeah. I can't believe it. I mm, mm. Equifax, this whole thing, they had stuff stored in plain text. Our information in plain text, not not encrypted, not hashed, not salted, none of that. Anyway, um, so even I was as passionate about technology back then as I still am now. 
uh, which is why I can't even remember the name of the cell phone thing that scans stuff. But um, so this whole idea of people having chips in their head that enabled these entertainment features seemed totally feasible. And um, the only problem is uh, one of the characters, her chip kind of starts rejecting her or she starts rejecting the chip. Either way, things start degrading. And she starts like separating from this world and getting pulled out of it. And it kind of um, drags her physicality down with it and her health down with it. Um, And she's kind of left with this choice of like being plugged into this thing is killing me. This thing is like a cancer, but being unplugged from this thing is killing me. (laughs) I can't participate in the world without this thing. Mm, I feel that so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's like so poignant. And I know it's sci-fi light. It's such an obvious allegory. Like, Oh, technology is great, but what if it sucks? Like that's, that's black mirror, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, technology is awesome. It sucks. Everyone's going to kill each other because of technology, uh, which is mm, black mirrors. So ham fisted about it, but, uh, that's not what this is about. This is about feed. So yeah, it's it's about um, <clears throat> why you associate it so strongly with the time and place in your life. Uh, I think because at the time I was starting to understand technology in my life, and I was looking to build my first computer out of like you know from scratch. Like you buy the motherboard, you buy everything, you put it together, and you wear your anti-static bracelet and everything. And like I guess that was the time where. Um, that particular part of my brain really clicked into place of like technology matters. These decisions matter. Like you should really be paying attention to all of these things happening around you because like at a certain point, if you don't pay attention and you just let everything happen, you end up at a point where you have like forfeited your control over these things. And like all of a sudden you're in so deep into technology and everything that you can't even pull out without, somehow i don't know so i guess it was a <laughs> i don't know in the same way that some people have a moment in their life where they're like oh we should really prepare for the apocalypse and they like get really into that and they pack their bug out bags and they get the shelter and stuff i had that moment as a kid only it was about like technology matters pay attention to this and uh that's when i started like messing around a bit more with code and stuff like that and like getting into like how do computers work? How can I, you know, kind of stay on top of this and not just be grinded into the wheels? Uh, so I don't like that specific time. It mattered to me. And I remember like the library and the smell of it and where in the library I got the book from because I never checked it out from the library. I just went into the library, pulled it off the shelf, sat down and read it for a little bit, put it back went back to the library, pulled it out, read a little bit. Like I never had it at my house. It was just like a thing I read at the library Mm. over lunch or whatever. I don't know what I did back then. I I was weird, man. My, (laughs) my teachers have always let me just wander like my whole school career. I could just kind of wander. So sometimes I just wander in the library and read books. Um, so I still remember the smell of that book and reading it and, and realizing and feeling like my life had changed, like feeling like my eyes had been opened up to this whole other reality um, that wasn't here yet, but it was coming. And it didn't make me like paranoid. Like I love technology. It's great. When new stuff comes out, I'm like, awesome. Yeah. Uh, But it did make me just like, I don't know. 
notice things differently and be a lot more intentional with things and and even it kind of awakened me the idea that like design is important and everything is designed in a way like this beer bottle was designed and it was like made a certain way a certain size a certain shape for a reason and like technology is the same way like everything is here for a reason let's figure out what that is and make sure it's done for the right reasons so I don't know if that counts as like a time or place, but I remember the library and I remember my age and I remember the table. So I'm counting it. I think so. I think that totally counts. So uh, how about your time and place? Do you want some music too? I can play some. There's so many that I could choose from. Like, this is a really, for some reason, a really hard one for me to pick. Um, mm. But I think I just have to pick one. Like, almost, like, next time we do this, I might throw this story back in the pile because there are so <laughs> many others. Okay. Or I might store this, throw this question back in the pile. Um, I think I'm going to go with The Outsiders oh. by S.E. Hinton. Didn't they do a TV series on that? Or a movie? There was a movie. Okay. I don't know about a TV series, but maybe. I feel like it would make a great miniseries these days. Mm. Like, Netflix should totally reboot that. Nice. It'd be great. So what's The Outsiders about? I've heard about <sighs> it, but I don't actually know. I am honestly am not sure that I can tell you because of <laughs> the, the time in my life when I read it, there, there's just an afternoon that I really strongly remember. And it's really a lovely memory for mm. me. But the reason it's lovely isn't necessarily the book. It was it was how I read it. Um, huh. The story is, I mean, it's it's about a, a kid and he joins a, a, a group of greasers and it does not end well. Rob Lowe was in this movie, wasn't he? Maybe. He was Pony Boy. Really, really young Rob Lowe, maybe. Well, it was like yeah. his first. He was Pony Boy. And uh, Tom Cruise, he was up against Tom Cruise for the role. We watched the movie in my seventh grade class, but I do not remember it. Huh. That's when he met, uh, what's Charlie Sheen's brother's name? Martin. Martin Sheen? That's his dad. Oh, I don't know. His brother has a completely <laughs> different name. That's, uh, oh, The Outsiders, Nothing Gold Can Stay. Yes. That stay gold pony boy yeah that clip was the intro to one of my favorite songs of all time for a long time it's not my favorite song anymore but it was uh it was led up by that that quote from the movie and then the song started i'm like what this is amazing okay cool cool so yeah i i today could not tell like i i know that i have a copy of the outsiders on my shelf still and i don't want to get rid of it because it's the same copy that that i read then mm-hmm. um but the the reason it is so pinpointed to this 
I don't remember what time of year it was, but it was a Saturday uh, on a, you know, a, during the school year. And I was assigned to read this book. And uh, my, my best friend at the time, Sarah, came over to hang out and we both had to read this book and we had to read it by the like the next week. Wow. Okay. And and so we were like intentionally not we were hanging out when we should have been like doing homework on the weekend. And she came over and we she didn't bring her book and she I think she started reading it and then tr- we traded off and and back and forth. What did the she, other person do? Well, we were really cool seventh graders, and we played Neopets. So the other person, <laughs> yes, would play Neopets. Oh man! And and I think it, some of the games that we were playing were like timed, like you'd only do so many times. And you had yeah, to yeah, Wait yeah. for a while. So we do one person would be playing Neopets and doing that until they hit a wall, and then we would trade. Man, if Neopets had figured out microtransactions back then, they would have made a killing. <laughs> A killing. We spent a lot of time on Neopets. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I have this this very specific memory of like me laying on my, my bed, which was a canopy bed, and then like my desk was wedged right at the foot of it, and there was very little like room for the chair. And so one of us would be at the computer and and playing that and, the, and then I and I was like laying on the bed reading outsiders and then we would trade and it was huh. i mean it, it's a funny story yeah. but it also is it, uh, it it was a landmark moment in a lot of ways for me because our friendship had gotten to the point where i could read a book and not have to worry about this other person in the room like we were comfortable enough with each other to do that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. It's like when you're friends enough with someone where you can be in silence and that's okay. Yeah, and that I was love that the whole day. Like we we talked a little bit and we would talk a little bit about the books and I'm sure I'm sure we distracted each other from what we were doing all the time. Oh yeah, but yeah. We both read that book that day. Wow. So, I mean, it, it's not a very long book, but. It takes some time and some focus, and she was a much faster reader than I was, but very dedicated reader, and and I kind of had to focus in order to do this, and it was for homework, and so yeah. we, we had to know, and so, I mean, it was it was probably a couple of hours where we were, like, overall in silence, hmm. and it was so oddly comforting to be able to do that with this other person who I cared so much about. Nice. So cool. I could, yeah, I could not today tell you much of the plot of the book. So maybe I didn't read it well enough, but it's a really lovely memory for me. That's awesome. Yeah. Aww. You should read it. I totally have a copy if I want to borrow it. I will. I don't know if I want to borrow like that copy. I feel like I'd be holding, you know, a piece of you. It's meant to be loaned, nah. meant to be read. Just take it. Take another little piece of my heart. That was released like 40 years ago, you know that? Or she died like 40 years ago, Janis Joplin. Man. Yeah. She's been gone for a long time. Way before we were around. Yeah. Anyway, that's a fun one. Uh, Well, thanks, guys, for listening to this bonus episode. Uh, A reminder that we're going to be reading Never Let Me Go soon. By Kazuo Ishiguro. You Mm -hmm. should get your own copy. You should read it. It's awesome. Also... 
oddly timely because only just last week from when we were recording this, mm-hmm. he won a Pulitzer. Yeah. Pulitzer? Sure. Nobel. Uh. No, I was a Nobel, I think. Nobel for literature. Wow. That's pretty good, man. Nobel laureate. We're reading his book, baby. We got it. Yeah. It's anyway, crazy. So you should read it with us. Uh, we're reading it in three parts. And uh, you can read it however you want because this is... We don't police your reading habits. Yeah, we really don't. <laughs> we don't care. Uh, but we do care about your thoughts and opinions and uh, books that affected you and books that put you in a specific time and place and books that comfort you. Uh, so please, like, let us know. Tell us your story. We all have them. At least I hope so. I think you all have some stories. I want to hear them, though, and I want mm-hmm. to hear them on Twitter. So how can they do that? You can find us on Twitter at WordstruckPod or at me, at Alyssa Small, or at Clark Hodges. Aha, uh-huh. that's me. Or you can shoot us an email at WordstruckPodcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on Instagram, which is not really a great place to tell us your stories, but it is a fun place to see what our studio looks like and what our faces look like. And you can send us a picture of your book. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, do it. We'll retweet it. You can't do that on Instagram. I don't understand Instagram. I love it, but I don't understand it. <laughs> I love that like, we've both done like social media coordinating at some point for like jobs and... uh we're both like, meh. I haven't had to touch Instagram. I got the other two down, but photographers manage that. And boy, am I glad because yeah, uh, it's yeah. a whole different bag of weird. It's a whole <laughs> different bag of weird. Well, thanks you guys so much. Hope you have a wonderful day. Uh, keep reading. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye. It's like the mist is what's pretty, you know, or gold and silver. Mm-hmm. Too bad it can't stay like that all the time. Nothing gold can stay.